Have either of you got any advice for long haul flights? What's your go-to if you have a long flight? Because I hate them. Chain watch films. Yeah, I noise cancelling well. headphones. Yeah, and maybe like good. a gin and tonic. A gin and tonic. <laughs> my my, helps, Mr. helps me helps me fall asleep. <laughs> Mister Ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if I look sad enough, they'll upgrade me. It's never happened. I even, I have got married in New York uh, and flew back and we were like, we just got married, hopefully, at the desk and the pricks didn't upgrade us then either. What would it take, you know? Oh my goodness. Season 2, Episode 9 of the E-Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, which is that of Alice Bell, and I am joined this week by Nate, as ever, and Hello, James. Hello, friends. Hello. How are you both? Top of the world, actually. Yeah, pretty good. Good, good. Uh, James alluded to Nate having some massive Gobi revelation. Yeah, even more massive than uh, last week's little mic drop, actually. Um, I, I'm amazed by the amount of lore generated by these fish. Yeah, um, okay. So, yeah, buckle in. This was a weird one. So, um, the story so far um, is way too long to summarise, but the last bit of it that's relevant. Do you remember a few weeks ago I talked about how I had King Bogey, the patriarch of my... Uh, Desert Gobi clan, uh, when he died, I uh, preserved him in a little 3D printed casket full of salt. Mm-hmm. And yes. in the depths of winter, uh, it- I had put the casket on my windowsill briefly during a tidy up, and I heard a scratching by the window, and I was certain that a rodent had come in and gotten him because the casket lid was off and the body had disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This, right. by the way, for anyone unaware, is a fish. He's talking about a fish. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a two-inch long, pugnacious-looking sort of dirty yellow fish. Um, and, you know, quite a well-preserved carcass, too, I have to say. Now, you know, I assume, it seemed, you know, Occam's razor definitely pointed towards the rat, and the casket was definitely empty. Uh, and so I put it back in its usual place, on top of one of my other tanks and was a bit sad about it. I did a big spring clean of all my fish tanks um, at the weekend because I had a lot that were empty because, you know, like I say, I've got little fish that don't live long um, and my big lockdown madness of starting up fish tanks has long died down. I thought, you know, let's rationalise a bit. Uh, So I was cleaning up a lot of tanks, taking them down, And while I was cleaning out the big tank that his casket usually sits on, a shape came rising up from the murk at the bottom, and it was his body. 
What? <laughs> the lion up. has returned. So, what happened? I haven't got a fucking clue, and I'm terrified. <laughs> like, I can just about rationalise it. Like, maybe if at some point I'd knocked the body out of the casket without noticing before I moved the casket to the windowsill and somehow it then fell in the tank without me noticing and then didn't decay for two and a half months. But I mean, it it's probably cured, isn't it? Like it's been in salt for quite a while. So, and the water's very salty as well. So it might just be like a little, <laughs> it might be fish jerky. I don't know, man. <laughs> but I took it as a sign anyway. So uh, a lot of the empty tanks that are left, I've just uh, chucked a load of gobies in. So there's oh, been a big, you know, because it was getting really crowded. So there's now been a goby diaspora. Um, and yeah, eventually I'm going to have a commercial breeding operation on my hands if I'm not careful. It does seem like you're sort of cur- like an ancestral curse like you don't want to have all these copies it's just, but you just do as I say the amount of law like you know because you know we had a full funeral for King Bogey and stuff like I'm now really worried that I'm bound to this haunted carcass by ritual it's like hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> but fish you know, with this bloody fish tank that was like, oh, which has its own eerie origin story, and it's all, it's all just a bit much. You're just I now sit don't, and... I don't want anyone to take the gobies off my hands because I cannot spread this curse. It's like it's like, it's like it follows. Like, <laughs> you're just gonna sit around at, at, at like mysterious markets. With like a little, <laughs> a, a little bag, like at, at fairs that have goldfish in, but it's got a goby in, and then people come up and you'll be like, "Don't feed it after midnight." <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, even though you only give away one at a time, the by the time the person wakes up the next morning, there are ten gobies. <laughs> yeah, and then in the sequel, they'll they'll take over a television studio in New York and start talking directly to camera in Lloyd Grossman's voice. A little bit of gremlins too for you there, listeners. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, that was more of a revelation than I was expecting. It's almost literal biblical revelation. It's like really heavy stuff, isn't it? Like resurrections (laughs) and like revered corpses and yeah. Yeah. James, how are you doing today? Are you adequate? I'm I'm, I'm better than adequate now that I've heard the story. (gasps) That's... that's... (laughs) Moved the adequate what a, needle. What a, what a frill ride! Yeah, sparking joy. Yeah. Maybe he just maybe he wasn't fully dead and just wanted to return to his home before he died. Yeah, I mean, maybe his work's not done yet. Oh God! <laughs> I tell you what, guys, oh, I could really go for some hot salt water and algae. I don't know about you. Oh no! <laughs> My name's Newt Crawley. That's always been my name. Yes, I'm a human. <laughs> I think we made a joke before about you just being like 10,000 Gobi in the, in the <laughs> coat, you know. 
<laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad of that. <laughs> I'm, as the cold open indicated, I am uh, preparing for a long haul flight tomorrow, going transatlantic. Um, so I just imagined you on a cliff top preening your wings. It makes it sound yeah, like you're oh, about to take flight. Do you know, I prefer that. I really hate flying and I just, I can't sleep on planes. So I do just watch like in-flight films and go mental. <laughs> do you find your taste in films changes when you're on a plane? I don't think so. I do. I, I maybe watch because they have a lot of rom-coms. What The last time I went on a long flight, I remember like I, I watched The Crimes of Grindelwald because it was really long and I was like, that'll kill some time. <laughs> but I could, it was so bad that I couldn't tell. I was like, did they just cut like random scenes out of this to make it like film on a plane appropriate? Or what? It makes no sense. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen. I couldn't tell if it was just because I was air crazy. <laughs> Well, you know, because oh, a lot of movies are subjected to really artless butchering, aren't they, um, for, for planes? Yeah, but no, I think it just turned out it was a rubbish film. So <laughs> I always really enjoy it when, like, you, you, you. I remember watching, what's the one with, um, oh, the alcoholic um, <laughs> airline pilot who lands a plane upside down? Um Flights, that's what it's called. I couldn't believe I saw that on a plane. You'd think they'd not oh, is that the stuff- is that the Denzel Washington one? That's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it just seemed that the bold choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't, what I'm doing this time is I've, I've, I've loaded up, because I'm only going for like three days, so my packing is just going to be like two t-shirts and several pairs of pants, basically. Um, so I'm, I'm going to bring a book. I don't know whether... I was going to bring... Babel, which is like 500 pages, but it's quite heavy. So I don't know if I would do that. Uh, I don't think I'm going to bring my Steam Deck or anything just in case I lose it or something. It's, you know, a luxury item. But uh, so that's that's why when you listen to this reader, I read it, listener, I may in fact be in the air. Wow. I know. Mm. Imagine. I once, right. went on a, I once went on a transatlantic flight armed mainly with all three of Neil Cisriega's mashup albums. How did that go? Do you I know? bloody love them. I'd, I'd, ne- I'd never heard them before. Um, so, the fir- so the first time I was hearing them was on a plane, kind of like drifting in and out of consciousness, <laughs> which I'm convinced is now the best way to listen to, listen to them. It's, it's probably the closest I've been to having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> Just wafting in and out. Of being awake with an occasional somebody <laughs> waving in through your head. Do you like uh, DJ Cummerbund? I don't. Oh, I don't great. know him. I don't I, think. I know what my recommendation is going to be this week. Oh, sick. You mean you uh, don't prepare them beforehand, particularly, Nate? This is where I look to camera with a completely <laughs> flat mouth like Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Cumberbund's great. They took down his The Devil Went Down to WAP uh, and someone had to re-upload it. He's he's a a mashup artiste who's great, just does great stuff. Like The the songs are phenomenally produced, Mm. but also he always throws in extensive samples of Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) Every single song he does. 
and like always a really climactic point. It's incredible. It's so good. And have you heard that thing where like apparently people you genuinely get like more emotional on planes, and that's why people cry a lot on planes. For real? Yeah. I think I I don't know if I'm imagining that, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. Well, you hear yeah. a lot about like food tasting different and stuff because of the pressure and. Like, is the gas mix in the cabin different to what it would be at sea level? Like, more I oxygen or something? Maybe, maybe it's that's drier. It it's more arid. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure. My eyes just go to turn into, like, marbles. I hate it so much. I hate everything about it. And because I'm flying from Ireland as well, I've got, like, a three-hour layover in Heathrow, which is, like, hell's waiting room. Ugh. It's, it, and airports give me a severe case of the time dilations, so I'm not not looking forward to that. <laughs> it's one of those things where you it, you you go like because there's nothing else to do, so you go and get like Wagamamas for breakfast at <laughs> ten o'clock in the morning. I do like that actually. Yeah. Yeah, like well, because I'm a big fan of. Like, I really despise the concept of breakfast food. Doesn't mean I hate all breakfast foods, but the idea that there are some forms of nutrition that are only appropriate before the sun is at its apex. It's just fucking stupid to me. Um, and also the idea, you can't just have a lamb rogan Josh at 6am. Like, what the heart wants, the heart wants. <laughs> That's very true. And what you've done there, Nate, is you've modified uh, eating and meals to something that you <laughs> find more fun. <laughs> To create an incredibly successful new tower defense genre, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) This week, listener, we're talking about mods, but more specifically, we're talking about mods that kind of broke big uh, and maybe became their own thing, even though they were predicated on, predicated on like, other games um so for example uh and this is kind of a, a bit sneak fucky of me because it's this is sort of next door to what we're talking about but slay the spire had a really popular mod called downfall which added like new hero character and a whole new kind of campaign thing and uh those mod devs are now making their own tabletop fantasy roguelike which is kind of an auto battler it's called tales in tactics and it has a kind of um uh, Lord of the Rings. What was that one? Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War mm. thing, where the some of the the people you play against will remember you, and you know, uh, I don't know in in what sense they will remember you, but will you'll develop a relationship because the setting is you are taking place, uh, taking part in a tabletop campaign, which I think is very cool. Huh. Um, That's wicked. Yeah. Did you play the mod? Nate, because I know you played a bit of Slay the Spire, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I love Slay the Spire, but I'm, I'm usually, I, I mean, for reasons I'll, I'll go into as the chat progresses, I'm, I'm really cagey about mods, so no, I've never, um, never played that. Really? What about you, James? Are you a modder? Uh, n- well, I, what, I, do I, you I, use mods? <laughs> I, I, I partake in the occasional <laughs> mod. What, what, Nate, why, why are you cagey about mods? Because I think it's a funny one at the moment because, like, funnily enough, this last week I've been playing a lot of modded RimWorld, so I've been thinking about this. Um, Quite often, 
because there's no, I know obviously, you know, there's ways to see which ones are popular and, and things like that. But I think I had a lot of experiences in my teens with just really shit mods um, that were a lot of hassle to get working and then just made the game feel unprofessional, even like the okay. existing elements of it, just because they bust balance and things like that. So to answer your question simply, um, you know, age-old prejudice and failure to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what uh, I wanted to talk about how many games started out as mods that became like a big uh, thing. I think it happened a lot more earlier on um, in, you know, the culture of games. But there have been a few recently as well. But I mean, there are so many things that are based on like Half-Life um or uh, just Valve things in general. Yeah. So like it's actually like it's mostly Valve's output is like mostly games that were originally mods. Oh, you know, yeah. not wrong. Oh, yeah. Dota was War Dota was Warhammer Three, I think. Yeah, uh, it was. Counter- yeah. Counter Strike, obviously a Half Life mod. Team Fortress was Quake mod. Portal, not based on a mod, but was based on a student game where Valve mm. just hired the students. Uh, and then there's Gary's mod. G mod is yeah. Gary's mod is is. Huge. Uh, is Gmod you... published by Valve? No. Is it just published I mean, by it's, it's uh, on, Gary? It's on, it's on Steam, but but, but like, it, was it was it ever um, you know legitimized by corporate acquisition, or is it still Gary? <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's Face Punch Studios is, I believe, the the entity that produces Gary's mod. Okie dokie. Um, but even like, no, they're, they're not like they're not owned by Valve or anything. I think they just have permission to create this sandbox thing with their assets. Oh, what's the um? Is it? An, I know Armor Three's got like a million mods. Um, I I got into a really weird binge a few months ago of watching. YouTube videos, this Starship Troopers mod for I think Armor Three, which is amazing. Have you seen it? It's no, I've, like, seen a, I've seen a um, I've seen a forty k mod for it. Yeah, that's I've seen, awesome. I've seen a Starship Troopers one. Starship Troopers one's really good because you're just like trying to desperately fortify a little outpost with about sort of thirty other people with just bugs constantly rushing at you. Um, Sounds quite and, stressful. <laughs> oh, it's extremely stressful. Yeah. Uh, one of those definite love to watch it would hate to play it games for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's. Do you think? And this may be more of a James question because you're you've been quite plugged into Valve stuff. It sounds like for a while. Uh, do you think modding is an essential part of the the Valve and uh, Steam kind of culture? Because they they're really supportive with stuff like the Steam Workshop. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to imagine Steam like without all that stuff. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's hard to imagine Valve, you know, Valve's own games without that kind of stuff. You know, it's. Uh... <laughs> Do you think they would be now in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three as supportive of if someone made like G mod now? 
Um, do, do you think they're too big all, now to allow that kind of stuff? All other things being equal, I think so. I think um, I think leadership at Valve does have like a genuine belief in like the openness of the PC. I mm. don't. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say if they'd be like yeah maybe as open. I think they allow it definitely. Mm. There's there's a really um, interesting example of this actually, and I'm afraid to say with Age of Empires two because um, that's kind of um, you know we talked about mods sort of becoming their own games, but mods actually resurrected or responsible for the resurrection of Age of Empires two because um, it had one official DLC, uh, the Conquerors in two thousand, but then a team of fans. Um, called Forgotten Empires, made another expansion called The Forgotten, which was about, you know, sibs that don't get much airtime with sort of pop history. Uh, And then they made another one um, and another one and another one, as DJ Khaled likes to say. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And they were really good. They introduced loads of new sibs, like were incredibly technically accomplished with what they did uh, in terms of interacting with the, the original code. And so eventually Microsoft just hired them all uh, and said, actually, yeah, can we just put all this together and release it as the definitive edition? And that's how the 2019 release came about. And those uh, that group of fans is now in charge of the whole game. What a lovely story. That is lovely. That's very cool. And it- like, it's so funny that you know their work has endured and been more popular than the all-singing and all-dancing Age of Empires 4. (laughs) (laughs) It is, when you think about, like, all the games that have resulted from mods, actually, it's wild. Like, the Stanley Parable was originally, you know, predicated on Half-Life 2, I think. And as was Dear Esther, which spawned, like, a whole new kind of genre of games yeah. almost you could, in a, you could a say way the entire thinking. you could say the entire battle royale genre came from uh minecraft hunger games mods i didn't i didn't even know For real? i mean do you know do you guys okay so um i've actually played a fair amount of minecraft I, hunger games mods i'm embarrassed yeah like, so back, back when back when like, the hunger games films were really popular um yeah people made essentially um mods for minecraft that replicated that last man standing type game in Minecraft and then la- that led to a similar thing in DayZ which is itself a mod for Armor 2 and that became really popular as well and then that eventually led to um player unknowns battlegrounds and you know the because uh, domina- knew- the domination of battle royale as a as a mo- game slash mode in I- all of shooterdom I knew PUBG was a mod, but I didn't realize it it came from yeah that from a Minecraft <laughs> thing. Isn't it funny that we started off talking about like mashup DJs because I think there's a there's an interesting parallel between music and games as like mediums where like if you if this happened with films, mm. there would be outrage. Um, you know, it'd be really odd, isn't it? If you just put like, um, you know, Justice League in black and white and added a load of scenes <laughs> and re-released it. 
Uh, it'd be really fucking weird. Um, but like with games and with music, it's fine to just completely sort of retool and 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 re-release things as new products and, and mix them together. And that was partially a valid point, partly a silly joke. No, I think it was a valid point. People do. You see, sometimes people will remix trailers of like horror films to make them rom-coms or vice versa which i always think is very funny because it demonstrates how easily our brains can be hacked but um have you seen the breaking bad sitcom edits yeah (laughs) love that laugh tracks are a fascinating psychological phenomenon they really are it's like when you see um clips of the big bang theory with the laugh track removed and it's just it's just just the most tragic thing (laughs) bleak silence (laughs) um what are some of our favorite mods to it just generally because i mod the sims a lot the sims 4 is kind of only good if you mod it (laughs) (laughs) just have to add loads but that's also it contributes to why the sims 4 is so broken because it allows for so many mods and every time there's an update it just breaks loads of mods or breaks the game itself um and it sort of felt for a bit that the ea and maxis were only doing things once someone made a popular mod for it uh like people wanted bunk beds for ages they were asking for bunk beds and then some modders uh or one mod in particular i think made some really good usable bunk beds and then, like, in the next update or the next update, but one, they were like, bug beds! <laughs> so, but that's, like, I learned how to use my computer a lot better because I had to, like, mount my mods for The Sims on a separate hard drive and then, like, put in a redirect and stuff. <laughs> so, you it's know. It's funny, isn't it? Like, a, a lot of what I know about how to make computers work probably came from my desperate teenage scrabbling to make barely authorised software work. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, James? Do you use any favourite mods? Uh, I mean, my favourite mod of all time is probably the, the original DayZ mod. Uh, that, was, uh, that was that was a corking like game in itself. Yeah, uh, it's giving a proper answer. <laughs> Uh, more, more, more recently, I, I should, I should give a better answer than this, but it's, stu- it's stuck in my head. For D- Deep Rock Galactic has like official mod support, and there's it's a game where you essentially is it's fight bugs in space. It's, it's a bit, uh, uh, not Battlestar Galactica the thing you were just talking about. You're just talking about, yeah, Nate. Um, Starship Troopers. Starship yeah. Troopers. Starship Thank you. Troopers. Yeah, it's a bit Starship Troopers. Um, so you're fighting giant bugs, and there's a mod which just gives all the giant bugs googly eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> the, the, the thing with the thing with mods in in Deep Rock is that every time there's a new version of the game, the mods always need to be updated as well. And very very often, like a lot of the other mods I I have won't be ready for a while, um, like after a game update. But the googly eyes, googly eyes is always ready. Whoever makes that Google Eyes mod for Deep Rock is absolutely on it. I <laughs> Stone Cold Soldier they are. Mm. It's important. I, I used to really like uh, Quake mods. Uh, in So I used to go around to my mate's house who had a better computer than me. And the course of a Saturday would be like a good six hours trying to get a Quake mod working. And then exploring it and taking it in turns to have half an hour on it. That was good. And then that evolved to um, Half-Life mods, 
Um, Lovely. My favourite ever Half-Life mod. Well, I don't know if you call it... No, I think it was... Because this is before anyone used the term mods. It was just sort of stuff you downloaded and mashed into it. But there was one (laughs) where you were just on like a big spaceship zoo uh, of all the beasts off of Half-Life. And you could just go around and have a look at them. They didn't break out or anything. It was just... That's cool. It was like my dream of a Jurassic Park film where nothing goes wrong. (laughs) I just got to look at some like, you know, squid head boys. Great. What if we could talk to the monsters, you know? What if we could talk to the monsters? <laughs> what if we could talk to the monsters? I um I didn't mention the Forgotten City, which was a really good recent example. That was a, a really popular, like award winning Skyrim mod. Uh that then became its own its own game, a standalone release. Although you can it still feels very Elder Scrolls or Bethesda because like when you talk to someone, they will stand where they are and then turn their head. And the camera will zoom in on them. It does exactly the same animation. It's very good. <laughs> it's a time travel <laughs> Roman murder mystery thing. I don't know how you describe the Forgotten City, but it's good. Check it out. Um, I mean, like, like I say, I use a lot of, um, or I've begun to experiment with a lot of RimWorld mods. And the modding community for that game is colossal to the extent where there's about 16 mods, which only exist to manage other mods. Uh, it's it's real like boxes within boxes. Stardew Valley has a lot of great mods, but a load of them are yeah predicated on like a mod that allows these mods, <laughs> and you have to first download that mod. Um, but there is, I think, there's a noticeable divide between like big games and big companies that support mods and and like allow for mods, like Paradox um, and people like that, and then like you know other companies that are a bit like please don't break our stuff please don't please don't touch our stuff please don't to put me, thomas the tank engine or macho man randy savage in our stuff oh my god the trains the trains the trains yeah it's it, it's funny to me it feels like even though this isn't an absolute rule but it, it feels to me like one of the big separation points between inverted commas triple a games and inverted commas indie games culturally um, mm. you know, like, I mean, God, can you imagine EA allowing mods? Well, I mean, they do, they do in The Sims, but I think that it's sort of a legacy thing because, like, The oh, Sims. No, I just realised you're absolutely right. That's so weird. Well, that sinks my point. I, you know the... what I mean? Like games, like I don't know. Um, what was that Jedi one? A couple of years ago. So, uh... That didn't. Things like that don't have mods, do they? Or am I massively out of touch? I don't think they have like a popular modding scene in the same way that like, you know, your Skyrims do. And uh, but like The Sims, a lot of the modding is, it, it's weird. It's sort of like The Walking Dead, uh, The Sims, in that the people that really love it also hate it. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and a lot of the modding is in response to like stuff just not being in the game that people want, um, and and fixing stuff and adding stuff that, that that they want you know and it's it feels like a bit of a legacy thing because the sims 2 um had a lot more custom stuff you know and and people loved it so i don't know we'll see because there's a, there's a couple of life sim uh, options that are in, in the works one of them coming from paradox it's called like life by you or something i can't remember what it's called it's got a stupid name 
But um, oh, with real human speech in it. Yeah, exactly. Was that going to be like brilliant? No doubt. Um, <laughs> I hope you have a baby. <laughs> Why have you trapped me in this gym? <laughs> I hope it's like that. <laughs> James, technical question ish. Um, okay. To what ex- like? Because I just realised my ignorance a minute ago. To what extent can companies prevent a game being moddable? Um, this might be actually too technical a question for me. Um, I'm not sure because even even games without like air quotes mod support can get mods. Um, I suppose in my imagination, like a game's code is like beans, oh dear. and <laughs> like for something like RimWorld, it's an aluminium can with like a pull tab on the top, so the cowboy can really quickly get it open and add some like molasses or cayenne pepper to change the taste. Okay. But I imagine like, you know, uh, like a really, really big deal, super ultra high budget game is like a sort of an osmium casket full of beans with loads of padlocks on like at the bottom of the ocean. So the cowboys can't change the beans, but it means they can't enjoy them so much either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's, pretty much um spot on it may maybe i think a part of it is just how much do people care to mod something <laughs> hmm. maybe um actually since, since you were asking about ei I, I have had a quick look on nexus mods i found the titanfall 2 page um most of it is just like a sort of like reshaped stuff uh fov fixes sunflares begun and then there's one which replaces a grappling hook sound with the sound of an anime girl moaning. <laughs> That's so, so you know, horrible. The, the, poten- the potential's there if you tr- if you if you believe and you try hard enough. So I could potentially play through the Titanfall two campaign with BT's voice replaced with Macho Man Randy Savage. In theory, you're gonna have to get out and open the great brother. I can't get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alice, Alice O did a post uh, a while back because she found um, a mod for Left 4 Dead 2 that turned all, all the players and also the big uh, specials, the special zombies, into anime cards. <laughs> <laughs> and it just made the whole situation completely unreadable. It was ridiculous. But I'm a big fan of it. Um, I think mods are good and I think that all companies should support them more because it uh, allows for some great emergent creativity and encourages people towards developing in a more creative and healthy way than getting enmeshed in Roblox uh, into a sort of child code slavery situation. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose for a publisher or a developer, the the trade-off is like the more active your modding scene, the longer the lifespan of your your game and the more active the community, but the more the risk that they'll all invent something brilliant, start it off as its own thing and, and leave you as a footnote in history. Well, yeah, but, you know, that, that hasn't happened. But that's an honourable death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nobody's like, oh, I'm so glad that PUBG got, you know, modded out of Armour 3 because everyone hates Armour 3, you know. Be fine. Oh, yeah. I forgot that as well. You know, be lovely. Allow mods. Uh, mm. but I mean, what are we but a mod of a chimp? <laughs> 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 the, 
that got really out of hand and became its own game. <laughs> and chimps are now just fucked DLC <laughs> for our civilization. <laughs> Let's move on now to talk about what we've been playing this week, modded or unmodded or otherwise. James, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I've been playing Resident Evil 4, uh, which actually can be modded, uh, by the way. Um, although we can, can't it? People have already modded in like a little crop top for your man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little whale tail for Leon. And Shrek. <laughs> uh, what, replacing the baddie? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Unfortunately, because I spent so much of my time in it in like benchmarking mode, I've kind of neglected to form an interesting opinion on it. Uh, now, no, it's good. Um, I haven't played the original, so I can't really be all, oh my gosh, they changed this, or oh wow, they kept that. But it does seem like a good balance of modern and mid 2000s design thinking. But, I mean, Liam, who is a resident, I love Resident Evil, that uh, bloody loved the Resi 4 remake. So, although my friend Chris texts me saying they changed a dog in the opening and he's furious about it. <laughs> I don't know. Don't change the dog. There's one user on Steam that like tire- tirelessly has logged every instant in which you used to be able to upskirt the girl in it and now you can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, F's in the chat. F's in the chat for upskirting, lads. <laughs> F's in the chat. Yeah. Hold on while I just yeah. drink this poison. <laughs> Uh, you said but, Alice, not me. Uh, uh, generally yeah, the, enjoying it though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not. Uh, I don't want to say objectively. It's it's clearly good. It is clearly a good game. Yeah. Um, is it? Is it my thing? Maybe not so much. Um, I, I you know I I blabbed a lot about how like how much I like the Dead Space remake. Um, because mm. Res- Resident Evil Four is more. Like slower and resource managey and like puzzly. It's not as appealing to my underdeveloped monkey brain, but it's it, it, it's a good game for sure. Uh, the other thing I've been playing is Hi-Fi Rush, which I oh, also yeah. which I also talked about a few weeks ago, but never actually finished. Have um, you finished it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is our it's our first RPS game club game. Quick plug, quick plug. Yeah, yeah. So I went back to it uh, to finish to finish it, and I'm really glad I did because it has maybe one of the best, well, one of my favorite like final acts in a game, maybe oh, ever. Yeah? Like the mm. the middle, the middle is kind of slow. Um, it has it has some quirky bits which are kind of just enough to sustain it, but the last hour and a half or so is just constant, constant joy, outstanding robot fights. Easily the best use of music in the game, which, when it's a rhythm game, is important. Mm. Um, and there's also just really strong strengths, ah, really strong sense of catharsis. And I love me a bit of catharsis. I'm, <laughs> I'm denied it constantly. In re- I'm denied it constantly in real life because you know we live in a reality where the bad guys win. We live in a society, James. <laughs> we do live in a society. <laughs> if you're if you're a bad guy in Hi-Fi Rush, you eat shit. It is so glorious. <laughs> it is so glorious to watch, and there and there's and there are some nice like hanging out with not well, you know, teaming up with your mates kind of moments, which is just, just nice. <laughs> it's nice. It tickles tickles my catharsis nerve. There used to be a wicked little company in Birmingham um, 
where they just bought loads of like old machines that were due to be sent off to be recycled, like printers and stuff. But before that happened, you could pay a nominal sum to go into a soundproofed room with a range of weapons and destroy them. Um, and uh, after my dad died and I was pretty fed up, Ashley decided to cheer me up uh, by taking me there, sticking on Cotton Eye Joe on loop for 15 minutes and let me destroy a couple of printers <laughs> with a golf club. That's brilliant. That's real <laughs> catharsis. I think, That's I've, good. I think I've heard about that. I think actually I was I was thinking about maybe suggesting to Liam he should go there and film himself breaking some some like <laughs> gaming keyboards or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I not I played some Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to be here for the first uh, inaugural RPS Game Club chat. I don't want to sound like a shill here, but what's the RPS Game Club, folks? It's a new thing we're doing where we say at the start of the month, this is the game that we're playing this month, and we'll do a few articles on it. James has done an article uh, on one of his favourite little boss fighterinos. Um, and then at the end of the month, we'll have a live chat. So it's sort of like a book club, but for games. There you go. And, oh. uh, I'm not going to be here for the chat, uh, but it's probably kind of okay that I'm not because I've sort of not enjoyed. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you said you weren't feeling it as a... I always love the idea of rhythm action games and then I play them and I just don't enjoy them. And it's sort of, you know, when you said like, I can tell Resident Evil 4 is a good game, but it's not for me. Yeah. I feel like that about Breaking Bad and Hi-Fi Rush. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't, I just can't get into it. I find the way that your man sways, like in every rhythm action game, actually, the main character always sort of sways a little bit or in time with music. And I find it a bit unsettling. And also the platforming is dog shit. The platforming is dog shit. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons I kind of went off it in the middle. is just because there's so much platforming. Maybe I should push through. But uh, yeah. Um, the thing I'm playing this week, uh, the embargo is up today as we record it so I can talk about it. I'm playing Crime Boss Rocket City, which is... Hey. Um, it's sort of like payday worse which is an achievement because payday 2 came out 10 years ago so you'd have thought they would uh, uh, you know be able to improve on it a bit but they haven't it's incomprehensible it's it's like when i first started playing it i text graham saying this is like when every police procedural uh does an episode eventually in its run about video games and they have to make up a game and it feels like that it feels like a fake game described by a coked up hollywood tv <laughs> executive and then a few hours later i text him again saying actually it's like the bames nons having a strong call of bondulence <laughs> <laughs> tweet it's like those two things if you can hold them in your head at the same time applied to payday 2 because the big usb for this right is that they got a load of 90s action people and kim basinger <laughs> for some reason um and they're all like uncanny valley like 65 year old dudes voices growling out of like their a smooth kind of 35 year old rendering of themselves um <laughs> and like are they are they the playable characters? No, only one of them is. Well, so like you play as uh, Baker, who's uh, a small time drug kingpin who's come to take over. I guess 
what's the big city in Florida? Miami. Tampa. Miami. Yeah. So it's supposed to be like Miami. Um, but it's called Rocky City. And also just everything about it is so and um, like weird. <laughs> like the um loading screens sometimes have tooltips and they sometimes have little facts about Rocky City, like deer have been spotted on the outskirts for the first time this year and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the second biggest tourist location after New York. Like it's a real place. Anyway, you're trying to take over Rocket. It has three game modes. One of them is like becoming a you know kingpin, and you've got a little map, and you can do so many actions per day on it. Uh, like take over territory, steal territory from Vanilla Ice or Danny Trejo. <laughs> 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 They're not called that. Obviously, they have like like Danny Trejo is called Dollar Dragon. Because he has a tattoo of a dragon made of dollars on his chest. <laughs> uh, and Vanilla Ice is called Yellow, Yellow, which means ice. <laughs> uh, and Danny Glover is in it as like an ex-cop. Who's, and his name is Gloves. And then Chuck Norris is in it and he's just called Sheriff Norris. Isn't I don't he know. dead? <laughs> no. Although, if you told me that his voice acting was done by a deep fake i wouldn't call you a liar there's one so one point he, like basically I'm, I'm getting off topic again this game is so just destabilizing um <laughs> so there are three game modes one is quick play where you do um little you can just do instant jump into like uh robberies or burglaries it's like payday you go to a place you case it you steal stuff uh the idea is that it's you know co-op pve you have goals, but there's emergence within that. So your goals are steal the stuff. And the emergent gameplay is like, where am stuff? Oh no, the cops, you know. So that's quick play. And then there's, uh, I've had to write it down because it's so confusing. Let me get my notebook. Then there's Urban Legends, which are six mini campaigns of three levels that have a story. So like you steal drugs off vanilla ice. And then he's like, oh, why? okay, do you know what? I'll buy the drugs back off you. And you go to that and he's called the cops. And you have to kill a load of cops and make it out of there. Right. And then there's Crime Time, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is the single player. Uh, oh, no, that's the quick play. God, no. So the quick play is called Crime Time. Uh, the mini campaigns are Urban Legends and then Baker's Battle is the single player where you every day you can do a certain number of actions. So yeah, you can take over a bit of turf. You can do uh, robbery to get more money, to hire more soldiers, to take over more turf. And that's kind of what happens. And then this, these are all like little five minute shootouts, basically, where you stuff some cash into a bag on one of a few rotating maps uh, and then you throw it in the back of a van and then you leave and the whole time Michael Rooker will be yelling stuff at you um, and it's it's just it's just a bit rubbish lads they should have not spent <laughs> so what, what what a conclusion to get to <laughs> it's just they should have not spent what I assume is a large chunk of their budget hiring like confused 70 year old action stars (laughs) and just concentrate on making the game better the shooting is absolute dog shit it it feels like the gun is pulling to like one side all the time and I think that's because you're supposed to want to buy like less gun shake kind of it's just oh 
So is this so essentially bad. the developers ask themselves the question, how can we match the level of hubris attained in cinema with the Expendables franchise in the video game medium? I guess. I don't know. It's like this weird 90s nostalgia, but I lived through the 90s and it was shit. So I don't know why you'd be nostalgic <laughs> for it. Didn't even have shoulder pads, just had Tony Blair. And like, <laughs> just the fundamentals of the game are wrong. It's it's like, it has all the stuff from Payday, so you've got drills to break into safes and stuff, and you could, you're nominally supposed to try and get around security cameras, but there's no real way to do it. The, I, the AI is completely fucked. Like You get all your orders from Peter Mandelson. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, sometimes the conversations in the cutscenes feel like, Neither voice actor knew what the context was or who they were speaking to. Michael Rucker occasionally has to scream for America football metaphors because his character's called like touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes he'll just be like, yeah, you we're in the end zone. And like <sighs> From Dollar Dragon to Dear Trivia. <laughs> to like insincere, raw American football metaphors, you are making this sound like the apex of human artistic achievement. I know, that's the thing. I'm making it sound like so bad it's good, but it's just like the load times are really long. For five seconds, whenever I load into a level, none of the other like NPC uh, uh, frames have loaded in. So it's just like floating guns. <laughs> shooting at each other is like what well, that's like my favorite thing in uh, dark tide where sometimes the lobby doesn't load in properly so you're just like a pair of extremely gothic trousers walking <laughs> around the spaceship like some sometimes the when you're doing a mission you get like npc barks over the radio that are like the cops are coming like or like now's the time to push them back and they seem to have no reference to like the reality of what is happening in your game i played a load of the co-op as well and that doesn't help it just makes the ai a bit less annoying i guess because one time i was playing it single player and one of the people i was doing a robbery with grabbed a load of stuff and then fucked off the other side of the map and climbed a scaffold for no reason like i don't know (laughs) this it's made me feel like i'm losing my mind (laughs) (laughs) well i've been playing some modded rimworld there you um, go. <laughs> <laughs> presciently enough. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's actually a load of good Warhammer 40k mods for that. I've been playing RimWorld with Orcs, um, which is good fun. Um, and there's another uh, great one. Can't remember the name, but it essentially changes the game into an attempt to survive Squirrel Armageddon. Uh <laughs> So there's uh, sometimes in RimWorld, like uh, like rabid wildlife will spawn on the map and and rush your base. Uh, and in this game mode, you get like 16 days of peace to build your settlement, and then a single mad squirrel will invade the map. And then the next day, two mad squirrels invade the map. And the next day, it's four. Oh my god! The next gosh. day, it's eight. And this goes on <laughs> until it's like a couple of thousand. If you can survive. <laughs> 28 days of logarithmically increasing squirrel tides, then you win. <laughs> and it's, the logistics of it are fascinating because you have stuff like ending up with sort of like, you know, drifts of rotting squirrel carcasses. And it's like, 
when you're doing the early games, like, okay, do I put time into developing farms and stuff so we're sustainable, or do I just build a big freezer uh, so we can just, you know, like hoard squirrel carcasses once the madness starts? It's uh, it's fun. Well, that does sound fun. And Especially weird. if you're playing as orcs. Especially if you're playing as orcs. <laughs> I've never played New Room World. It terrifies me. It's too big. Here come the acorn boys again. Oh, God. <laughs> James, what have you got for us? Uh, is it a good day to wear hard today or not, would you say? Uh, well, you tell me, because I'd like, I'd like to ask for your opinions. Yeah. So, f- first off, we must bring our attention to a quote from NVIDIA Chief Technology Officer Michael Kagan. He was I discuss- shall persecute the weak. <laughs> 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 no, not that. He was actually discussing with The Guardian on how... NVIDIA went about diverting the supply of graphics cards from cryptocurrency miners to their preferred audiences of gamers and AI researchers. So, begin quote, All this crypto stuff, it needed parallel processing, and NVIDIA is the best, so people just programmed it to use for this purpose. They bought a lot of stuff, and then eventually it collapsed because it doesn't bring anything useful for society. AI does. So, as tempting as it is to just laugh at cryptocurrency (laughs) collapsing, yeah, might might do a bit of that. <laughs> uh, it is in, it is interesting. I think that Nvidia is going in so hard on AI. So this interview this interview is mainly talking about the research and production uses of it. But we do already have AI in the more consumer games playing e side, uh, most notably with DLSS, which is of course Nvidia technology. At the same time, a lot of what we've seen so far with AI being used to create games like with using AI-generated artwork, has looked kind of crap. Mm. So, And that's, that's not quite the same thing as DLSS, because AI, in, AI art in games isn't being generated by your own graphics card. But still, AI generation is clearly something that you know the biggest GPU manufacturer is very keen on. Is that, do we think, good or bad for games on a whole? Like, what's, the, what's the future of AI in games, do we, do we think? So my, my lukewarm take on this... Um... I suppose doesn't approach the sort of big issues, but I do. I do think I can see some fun, silly applications because that's where my mind tends to go, mm-hmm. um, or quirky, you know, interesting. Like for example, um, you know, if it was used, uh, if you, you could populate a folder uh, in the game directory with images of your choice, and then it would use those to, for example, uh, create models and textures for enemies. Okay. Um, so you could, you, know, you could put in, like, photos of people you don't like. Or marmosets, you know. yeah. Yeah. Um, which is the same thing for me. Uh, mm. Evil little things. You know, that, that, that would be fun, because it would allow you to, oh, if we're talking about modding, you know, that would essentially allow you to create really interesting and weird mods yeah, uh, with very low effort on your part. Mm. I think uh, my take on it is that I agree with the first half of the sentence, obviously. I do like as well that he used it to get in a little like, well, because we're the best at that. So uh, <laughs> they obviously wanted to use NVIDIA. Um, I, my take on it is that like, yeah, um, there is potential for whimsy and things like that. But that potential will be outclipped uh, 
eclipsed even by all the people that just want to use it to you know get rid of having to hire artists and writers yeah um and i'm biased obviously in favor of employing people but um i don't know it it also as you pointed out james it does just kind of at the moment still seems quite rubbish <laughs> and all the all the proponents of ai stuff are, like seem like they're working really hard to be like this is incredible like there was that spate of like lads posting pictures of huge titted women being like real women are going to go out of business uh, but then <laughs> <laughs> but then all the all the women in in the pictures they posted had like double rows of teeth and like six thumbs and stuff <laughs> um and my fear is not that ai will eventually be able to make stuff that is of the same quality as like actual human writers and artists but that like silicon valley nerds won't it, it will reach a point that Silicon Valley nerds think it's good enough because they're not fucking discerning people, <laughs> you know. Um, but Ubisoft have have talked at GDC this year. Someone from Ubisoft was talking about how they're going to use AI to do uh, like combat barks or like NPC barks when you run past them, just make it easier. Oh yeah, that's legit. So like, um, it will. There's all sorts of little problems it would solve. Like I don't, um, I don't know though. I think I think a, I think writing a good combat bug is a skill. You know what I mean? I d- like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like um, not... ima- imagine. You remember? Like, did you guys play Splinter Cell Conviction? No, no. That, no. Had, the, that had the best enemy bugs because they'd they'd always like reference what happened in previous levels. So, like, if, if you had. <laughs> Like there's a mission at an airfield, and if you like knock out a bunch of dudes, like late, late, later in the game, they're kind of like, "Oh, we had we had buddies at the airfield. Um, we're gonna we're gonna you know you're gonna, gonna get you're gonna you. Pay, you're gonna pay for that." That's I actually, cool. uh, I wrote a lot of the barks for um, Rebellion's game Zombie Army Three or Zombie Army Four. Can't yeah. remember. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I, I designed the characters for that as well, or the the original characters, and, and yeah, wrote long lists of of barks. I don't know how many made it into the game, but definitely some for the um, the DLC character who was a zombified RAF airman <laughs> called Hector. <laughs> he sounds lovely. I mean, I know like people who write barks uh, have said that's one of their the worst jobs because it's just variations on a, on a lot of different things. But then, you know, in response to this GDC thing, people pointed out that, you know, Arrow to the Knee is kind of a weird sideways thinking sort of human thing to come up with that became really huge. But, you know, would an AI have come up with, are you speared adventurer like you and I took an Arrow to the Knee? Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I can see why it would solve little problems, but I also think it would create problems that don't need to be solved and possibly put people out of work. And that, that I'm not bang on, bang on summation, yeah. But also, AI isn't anywhere near as good as people are acting like it is. No. I guess that's why they're putting money into <laughs> research. But it's like every six months, someone at Google will ask like a chat, "What are you alive?" And it'll go, "Yeah," and they'll be like. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> We have sailed too close to God or whatever, you know. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, maybe maybe we, should, maybe we should just stick to telling it to do our anti-aliasing for us. Yeah, there you go. 
sorted. We've already done our beans metaphor, haven't we? So maybe yeah, we can... I got it in early. All right, let's move on to Nate's Tower of Jocularity then, which he was testing a lot of vocoded stuff for earlier. So. Okay, let me just uh, get the ambience going. Well, travellers, it's ironic that we've just been talking about what we've been talking about, because I bring you now to the not-too-distant future, where the world has erupted uh, in full-scale discourse. uh, Oh, no. Armies uh, of AIs in titanic bodies arguing with each other with huge digital voices. Um... Imagine the beginning of Terminator 2. Only Elon Musk is there and everyone's talking about, I don't know, chat GPT. You have <laughs> encountered a small bunch uh, of, of ragtag rebels hunkering uh, behind the hulk of a, a, a wounded war machine. And they're so glad to see you, uh, travellers from the past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because their machine is Thomas the Take Engine. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> A gigantic, argumentative, uh, argumentative titan, uh, which has been fatally shot, uh, and they now need to repair. Now, they've uh, they've managed to get it a new thinking core from the marketplace of ideas, um, but it's ill calibrated, uh, and if it's going to argue about video games, uh, it, it needs its memory to be intact. So you need to help with the calibration, Thomas the Take Engine. Uh, has a lot of facts about uh, nothing burger computer game controversies okay. of the last 20 years. Oh, no. <laughs> it doesn't know what games they're about. So uh, Tom's the Take Engine will, will give you the facts it knows, uh, and you've got to tell it the games. Okay. Okay? Oh, God, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I am Thomas the Take Engine. I must be prepared for war. <laughs> Thomas, you've got like auto tune on as well, I think, so you sound like you're singing. <laughs> you can leave it on if you want. Yes, I am a physical machine. <laughs> Are you ready for your first challenge? Yeah. This game, released in 1992, was banned in certain jurisdictions due to its final boss. Which game was it? (laughs) It was also quite violent. Um... Uh, Oh, was that maybe a Wolfenstein? Is that the Wolfenstein? Oh! Oh, very good, yeah. Correct. Yay! Hey. Do you hear the victory air horn, citizens? Yes, yeah. there's many of them. Okay, your second game, 1996. Okay. The developers claimed that neural networks could be used by the player to command objects and characters within the game's titular spaceship to perform certain tasks with AI. Ah. However, 
this was bullshit. <laughs> the technology of the mid-1990s. And there was a lot of arguing about it. 1996. 96. So has the game's title referenced a spaceship. Uh, that's t- when was System Shock? But that's not the name of the ship. It's not the. It? Um. Uh, We're running out of time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we know that one. Do we? Do we want to just take a punt? I don't know. I have no idea what that. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no. Sorry, oh. Thomas. It's okay. I'm fending off a broadside from the dreadnought chat GBT. <laughs> the game was Battle Cruiser 3000 AD. Of course. Here's an easier one. Okay. 2006. The Church of England objected to this game's use of Manchester Cathedral's interior as a backdrop during a gun battle. Manchester oh, I remember Cathedral. this, but I... Tony Blair defended the game. He <laughs> <laughs> loves gun battles. Uh, was it... Oh, was it Resistance Fall of Man? Was that... It was indeed. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> well done, James. Okay, your next game. 2007. Okay. U.S. anti-game activist Jack Thompson yeah. was very cross that it was advertised during WWE SmackDown. While local newspaper The Patriot Ledger said, It's testing the limits of the ultra-violent gaming genre with a strategy that it enables players to kill characters resembling young girls. Resembling young girls, 2007. I also uh, had some things to say about politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to think here. Uh, 2007, right. What came out in 2007? It wasn't Fallout 3 because you couldn't kill the kids in that. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> Sorry, accidental air horn, that wasn't it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, why uh, were they cheering? Oh, was it maybe Bioshock? With the little sisters? Oh, oh! Yes! I'm, well done. I'm far too online. You're so good at this, James. <laughs> I've been rubbish. You're going to win this war single-handedly for us. Yeah. I'll just leave. 2009. Okay. This game's UK cover art was altered due to a naughty hand gesture. (laughs) (laughs) Also, being set in New Orleans soon after Hurricane Katrina, the Houston Chronicle called that a bad call. New Orleans. Uh... Sorry, Thomas, which 2007 did you say? Uh, 2009. 2009, sorry. Ooh. Ooh. Um. <laughs> how many, how many noises do you have? 
I cannot describe the scaling chaos of this battlefield. <laughs> what was that in Northern? Alice, it's a game that you like. A game that I like? We've mentioned it today. We've mentioned it today. We mentioned it today. Um, it says in New Orleans. Presumably moddable. Yes. Uh, There's dead me. people in it. Sometimes anime girls. Oh, oh, Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yeah, Left 4 Dead. I remember because Left 4 Dead 2, it was doing like the V's up. I was Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. Sorry, you gave us a lot of clues there, Thomas. Thank you. 2011. This game was called The Worst Video Game in the World by Fox News. It was subsequently defended by Rock Paper Shotgun. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Um... There was a big dinosaur. Don't call John Walker that. <laughs> Um, you remember the name of the game? Oh, uh, it was some. It wasn't even that good a game. Um, some might say the worst in the world. Right. Oh. Um. Um. Was it Bulletstorm? Yeah. It was indeed. Okay, 2011. It came under fire for fat phobia as well as insulting adopted children, according to CBS News. Adopted children? Also being mentioned today. Also um, been mentioned today. It's a Valve game. Oh, um, Portal 2. Yes! Yes. The Stephen Whitney robot taunts the main character, calling them fatty, fatty, no parents. <laughs> Which does seem a bit mean. Yeah, but he's a villain. So. <laughs> yeah, he's also trying to kill them, which yeah. I would think would be more upsetting. <laughs> 2012, your final challenge to reactivate my argument core. Yeah. <laughs> this game was falsely accused by evangelical blogger Kevin McCullough of containing rape and sodomy. Um, the game was featured on the Fox News channel following the controversy uh, with the headline Full Graphic Sex, and it was briefly banned in Singapore during the controversy. <laughs> However, all you see in the game, in terms of explicit content, is the side of an alien's tit. <laughs> <laughs> Which game stirred up such a pot of shit with a single abhuman nork? <laughs> Surely Mass Effect. That's the only game I can think of that has alien tits in. It's Mass Effect 3! Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am ascended to my full potential. <laughs> now time for a massive vape rip. <laughs> Ha <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Well, thanks for the, the help with Thomas. He's back up and running now. So uh, we'll leave him to fight his war. We'd better get out of here. Yeah, I think we You're are. welcome. <laughs> Oh my oh. goodness, what a titanic battle that was. I, I, listener, I, <laughs> listener, I wish you could have seen the sights of the battlefield. Oh. Horses, robots. <laughs> Man, when the airborne artillery carrier Laura Kunzberg went down, that was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All that's left now as we come to the end of this episode of the Electronic Water Show is recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, Jams, what are you going to recommend this week? Uh, I'm recommending John Wick 4, or is it John Wick Chapter 4? One of the two. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Has a scene which looks like it was inspired by Hotline Miami. Really? Although, according to director Chad Stahelski, it was actually inspired by a game called Hong Kong Massacre, although apparently Hong Kong Massacre was inspired by Hotline Miami, so the the original (laughs) thought was indirectly accurate. Point is... Very good shooty bang bang scenes to the point that I did not mind it being nearly three hours long. There you go. Lovely stuff. Um, I am going to recommend a short story collection called How to Gut a Fish, um, which I'm just going to lean over and get it here because it's next to me. I want to check how many stories are in it. Um, but it's uh, by Sheila Armstrong. It's a collection. She's an Irish author, so they're sort of, they have a, a kind of Irish bent to them. How many are there? Oh, it doesn't have a number. One, two, three, like 10. I don't know. Um, They're all nice and they're very... um, She has a recognisable style where each short story actually sort of flits between like a few different people's point of view, a lot of them, which is really interesting because I hadn't come across that before in a short story because you would have thought there's not enough uh, room to do that. Yeah, (laughs) But um, that's very good, How to Cut a Fish. Uh, I definitely recommend it. It's very nice, a bit sad, but um, lovely. Nate, are you going to recommend uh... <laughs> DJ Cummerbund? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, he's uh, annoyingly, um, none of his music's on Spotify, which, if you listen to your music on Spotify, uh, will matter to you. Um, you can dependently at least find it all on YouTube. If there's anywhere else you know of, listeners, please let me know. Uh, as I say, he's incredibly accomplished mashup artist. Um, I would say if you wanted a single song to convert you to my point of view, uh, l- go on YouTube and, and look up his song Under Starships, uh, which mashes up Under Pressure and Nicki Minaj's Starships. Uh, also includes, uh, so it's, it's got David Bowie, it's got Freddie Mercury, uh, it's got an, a transcendently brilliant uh, series of Alan Rickman quotes in the middle, and of course, Rato Man, Randy Savage. <laughs> Uh, with his segments pretty much perfectly replicating the experience of having an anxiety disorder. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) What a recommendation. And thank you, listener, for joining us this week for Season 2, Episode 9 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock, Paper, Shotguns, PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. Although I do also recommend the Indiscovery Podcast, which is our sister podcast, last week or the last episode they discussed what is an indie game and they've been soliciting answers to that question and you can email us at the same address as well podcast at rockpapershotgun.com 
rockpapershop.com with questions, suggestions, feedback, and just general praise. We love that. Um, you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok if you just search Rock Paper Shotgun. Although we'll be losing our tick soon, won't we? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh, but for all your pieces of gaming news, just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. But for now, uh, and until next week, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Nate and James and Thomas the Take Engine, presumably. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.